This is Alan with Two Narm in Baltimore. A gooner and a toffee walk into a bar. Decided to do a shit football podcast. You're listening to the DU Football Show. They had themselves a good week this week. Uh, he's just getting a little big for his britches because they're actually winning games. Three, First time they've won three in a row in how long? Three, I was going to say, it's been a minute. Been a minute. And also, uh, no Geckle tonight in studio. I'm sure he's uh, he's pretty broken up. But we'll do that next week. We'll be all right. Let's go ahead and start the Sounds show. Good to me. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right AA, the fucking Gooner Graham. Stuff of a lord. Looks great in shorts. Sam Grammy. Sam Graham. Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League is told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across the way from me, is the newest addition to the cast of Jersey Boys, one Mr. Samuel Graham. Sammy, how you doing, brother? I don't have enough abs for that. Uh, I was going to call you Gene Vincent, but I figured you wouldn't get the reference, so I didn't want to bother with that one. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, be- My uh, mind immediately went to uh, the situation. Uh, Bebop, Bebop Alula. Ah, uh, got it. That's <laughs> who sang that song. And, of course, he had a big old bouffant hair, kind of like yours. So, Yeah. Uh, so I mean, this. much, much, much like the beard and Rob, we're gonna have to start calling you the hairdo and, Gr- and Graham. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Oh, it's just so annoying. But you just well, I know. One day I'll figure out how to actually like do it, so it's not just all over the fucking shop. Or, or you'll just come back to your senses <laughs> and do what you typically do and take a razor to the whole fucking mop. Yeah, that'd be nice. We're recording at DU Public House just outside the nation's capital. You can check us out on all podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with a footballing friend. Should you want to chat with us, there is many ways that you can. Mr. Graham, tell the good people how they can get in touch. Absolutely. We are at DU Football Show on all of the social medias. Show at gmail.com to get in touch via email. There is also uh, a pretty cool store and a Patreon that I'll tell you about a little bit later on. Awesome. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Sam and myself both work in the wine and spirit industry and both share a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So as the red-blooded Americans we are, we vow to have a drink in our hand throughout this show. And every single show, the train keeps a rolling. We got ourselves an island whiskey without the E tonight, Mr. Graham. Why don't you tell us about it? That's it. This is the Aaron uh, Single Malt Scotch. This is their Aaron Barrel Reserve. Uh, they said it's going to run you about 50 bucks. Uh, clock's in at 86 proof. They gave it a 92 uh, by the uh, Whiskey Advocate Tasting Panel. Um, your review uh, comes via David Savona for this one. Uh, Scotland has hundreds of islands, many of them familiar to Scotch lovers, but the one known as Aaron has flown beneath the radar. This sleeper single malt has a sublime aroma of bread dough that barely hints at the live... Uh, at the lively flavors that await in the glass, which include freshly shelled almonds, sweet berries, and clover honey, plus a toasty finish with a lovely, if not overly long, chocolate note. Uh, 
a balanced, elegant, and flavorful whiskey that's lively on the palate and a true bargain and only $50. Um, now, obviously, you're going to pay a little bit more than that once <laughs> this list comes out. Um, that's also relative. Again, I, I, last week was pretty articulate about how the liquor industry works and quantity discounts and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be surprised if this price varies anywhere between 50 and 70 bucks. Yeah. Typically, I am not a fan of, in fact, I have not been a fan of anything from Aaron yet. That has now changed. This is a delightful fucking whiskey. Got a lot of- Yeah, I used to sell it, and I didn't really care for Aaron, to be honest. Uh, Honey, honey dominates this this whiskey. It's very, very sweet. Um, There's there's a great golden color to it. A lot of times, they just use American white oak, and they tend to be very uh, pale. This has got a great golden color to it, so I imagine- it probably sees more the hog's head where it's the sherry butts and top with the uh, with the American whiskey barrel around the outside. It's just, it's really fucking good. And and I got it, I want to say I got it right around 55 bucks, 55, 60. It was not terribly I do expensive. get that chocolate note at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the bready notes that they were talking about, I don't get. A little bit of nuttiness is definitely there. Um, I would tend to agree with you. They're probably sherry butts because of that chocolate because that little bit of dark fruit and the uh, the the almond uh, especially it's it's very good it's i'm i'm actually pretty impressed with this one it comes in at number 13 i think it is right uh 14 i believe i thought Bibb and tucker was 14 okay you're right yep 13 probably my mistake you've got it no it says it at the top i took a picture and sent it to you and i don't want to go grab my magazine so we're yeah okay. i think it's 13 because i'm pretty sure Bibb and tucker was 14 but mm. it's it's very good i'm i'm actually quite impressed and i'm not again as i said uh agreed with you i sold the damn thing and i wasn't a huge fan of it it is in fact so number is- 13 my apologies good sir you're good. We so this is, this right is delightful. This I'm, I'm really impressed with this. Uh, um, and if you are able to find a bottle, uh, make sure you drink responsibly. Yeah. You know, uh, this is g- g- piggybacking on what we talked about last week. This is exactly the kind of whiskey that this list was written for. So Correct. Relatively accessible that you would have probably never thought to buy before. And uh, exactly. I, need, I can assure you, um, most island single malts still have some level of peat to them. This has got zero peat at all. Um, a, not even a ton of smokiness either. Like you said, that almond really kind of is the body. Like it's more of a nuttiness to it than than there would be a smoke to it. Uh, the barley yep. really shines. This is um, this is if you're not a big single malt person, you haven't really drank single malts before. At fifty to fifty-five bucks, this is worth taking a flyer on. This is definitely worth taking a flyer on. You will not. Yeah, be for sure. And usually, not. we turn to Speyside for that sort of introduction to <laughs> Scotch idea. Yeah, never um, an island. But this one, I- I'm with you. Kind of hits the nail on the head. There's no overwhelming dominant, you know, kind of attribute as, as we think of Isla with with um, uh, with Pete, mm-hmm. as we think of the Highlands with kind of that brininess. Yeah. There's nothing that's kind of, a, you know, would be astringent to a new palate uh, in this whiskey at all. And there's enough <laughs> of those kind of sweeter notes in the honey and the other um, uh, and the almonds that um, it's kind of welcoming. It's inviting to a, a new palate. Excellent. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into it, Mr. Graham. I'm going to go ahead and uh, cheers myself with the bottle there. 
Very good. There you go. Oh, and by the way, I didn't show it off to everybody here watching on the uh, live stream. I should probably show off that lovely bottle to people as you were talking about it. That's yep. normally when I do my best fan of white. All right. You know what, Sam? We haven't checked in at the top of the table for a while. And now it's just two teams. Both of them got three points, ironically, off the teams from the bottom of the table. <laughs> Manchester yes. City four, Norwich City nil, Liverpool one, Burnley nil. Uh, City are deep, they're healthy, and they're rolling right now. They are, but Norwich did make it difficult for City in this game. I mean, yeah, it took them all of, was it 40-odd minutes to score? Yeah. It's only up 1-0 at halftime. It was one-way traffic. I mean, City dominated the ball, dominated the chances, did everything right. Uh, but Norwich in the final third did make it difficult for them. Um, they, they just couldn't take the chances, to be to be completely honest. Phil Foden made it 2-0 just after halftime. And then it took them again until 70 minutes uh, for Ryan Sterling to score a second. Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally, and I was at the book for this one, actually. Uh, I was in the, the book for this one, and I put – uh, Phil Foden to score, um, City to win three and a half goals in the game. Nice. Uh, over, on the over. Very good. And then I had the same thing without the Phil Foden caveat. And uh, I hit both of them because of that 90 minute, uh, 90th minute penalty. So brilliant. Lovely. Very good. Congrats. My 30 bucks My thirty bucks turned me back $111. Attaboy. Yeah, Get you're very, I, I believe you proclaimed everybody in the Drunk United FC group. Uh, sorry, there's no more money to win at the casino, I believe you you had stated. Yes, I did say that because I also hit on blackjack and roulette. So I walked out of there with a net $320 profit. Atta boy, atta boy. Well, you already, yeah. uh, already talked about uh, Sterling's hat trick there. Uh, let's turn our attention to um, Norwich real quick. They seem to be, you know, fighting, which is good. Um, but when does that fighting turn into desperation? And when does that desperation turn into not caring? Does Norwich have any chance of staying up? Um, I would tend to think not. I mean, we, we've been through this with them how many times. They just don't seem like they care enough to be able to stay up. Um, they're they're putting in better performances than they did under Daniel Farka, and I just think that's because Dean Smith is harder. I mean, it's and I mean no real disrespect by this, but you know it's kind of difficult to take the man that looks like that with a voice that sounds like that seriously. <laughs> Very true. It doesn't add up. The topics, right? It just it, in your head you're like, I expect one thing. You did something completely different. The topics, and it makes me laugh. The topics. Yeah. The topics. We talked the topics. Um, but, I mean, just li listen to this. They're, they're currently in 18th, right? They're four points behind Newcastle now. Um, you have Watford that has a game in hand on them uh, on 15 points. They look a little bit more organized under Roy Hodgson, but still can't finish the ball. And then you have Burnley dead last on 14 points, but they have three games in hand mm -hmm. on Norwich. So that there's nine points potentially up for grabs would take them to 23 and, and out of the relegation zone as things stand currently, uh, should everything else go their way. But here's the key. Here's the big thing. Burnley, minus 12 goal differential. Watford, minus 20. Newcastle, minus 19. Everton, minus 10. Leeds, minus 19. Brentford, minus 14. Even go all the way to Crystal Palace in 13th place, minus 3. Norwich, 
minus 36. Jesus. Yeah. And Watford, think of this too. Watford, minus 20. They hadn't kept a clean sheet in two seasons up until Roy Hodgson's first game in charge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like 43 games or something ridiculous that they hadn't kept a clean sheet. So, that, I mean, those those goals we talk about all the time. It's an old cliche. Those goals are worth an extra point. Easy. Yeah. And if you've got somebody like Burnley that that should this this new striker, Veghurst, as, as we'll get on to, start figuring out how to put the ball in the back of the net, Burnley could be a bit of a force here in the second half of the season with that many games in hand. And if, if that comes to fruition, Norwich will very quickly find themselves completely done and dusted. And that was exactly the comparison I was going to make as we transitioned into the next match. Um, you look at both of these teams were at home. Burnley was at home. Norwich is at home. Norwich loses 4 nothing to top of the league um, Man City. Burnley loses one nothing to second place Liverpool. Liverpool is fully capable of putting four balls, four goals in the back of the net. Easily, easily. And in this game, crazy enough, Burnley had more shots on target than Liverpool. I, yep. I, the, the, the opportunities were there for Burnley to, to do exactly what they've been doing in getting a scrappy point. Now, at some point, they got to get some Ws and they're digging themselves too big of a hole, but... They fucking seem to be keep sticking around. Um, but let's first talk Liverpool before we get too much into Burnley. Not Liverpool's best effort, but they find a way to win. You know, they still keep figuring out ways to get Ws. Yeah, it, I mean, Allison was forced into a fair few saves uh, in this game. Um, and, and you'd like to think it's just going to take some time for Vakehurst to settle. Uh, before he starts taking the, you know, one, at least one of the 43 chances he had. Um, and for such a big man, actually runs pretty well. But uh, the, the the Liverpool look very leggy. They look very tired. Um, I don't know what their training routines are, but they've had a bit of rotation. I know two of their, two, their two best players, period, uh, both just had a international tournament where they both made it all the way to the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's difficult to deal with, obviously. Um, but it, the rest of the team, I mean, they're, they're continuing in the, in the cup competitions. They're, they're keeping going and, and Klopp hasn't rotated a, a huge amount, uh, in those games. And some of that's going to be on the manager. I mean, you have a squad for a reason, fucking use it, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's, uh, I don't, um, they'll need a better performance next weekend if they're going to win. Uh, Liverpool, you'd yeah. imagine. Um, I think they got a bit fortunate here, and Allison kind of dug them out of a uh, dug them out of a bad situation once or twice. Let me ask you one um, more question about um, Liverpool, real quick, before we get into Burnley. Uh, do you think Liverpool has what it takes to catch City? No, uh, not I, not off the back I, of this performance. Not I, based on this. I tend to um, agree. Do they in general? Yeah, sure. Of course they do. They're quality. But off the back of this performance, it does not fill me with confidence that they're going to chase City down. Yeah. Good. So, going to ask you the same question about Burnley that I just asked you about Norwich. Does Burnley have any chance of staying up? I think they have the best chance out of the three that are in the relegation zone right now. Yeah. Um, the problem is, it, and that's despite, because they have so many games in hand, honestly, um, the problem is going to be, uh, you all, after having 21 shots in your opening 20 games of the season, had 21 shots yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Newcastle, obviously, three on the bounce now. Leeds, flashes that they're getting their shit together. It'd be nice if Patrick Manford got fit. Brentford may have already done enough to have the points on the board because the other th- those three teams are so bad. Likewise with Palace and Southampton. Who's who's going to fall back into the fight is the question. And I, I think that's what you're getting at if I'm following what you're laying down. And the yeah, answer it's, it's, is who, probably who, no who one. Who in that group from Newcastle and 17th up through probably Palace and 13th on 26 points. They're within nine of Norwich. Right. Are, are what here, what team there in Newcastle, Everton, Leeds, Brentford, Crystal Palace, and, and, and okay, go up to Villa in, 20, in 27 points, or Leicester even in 27 points in 11th place. That's a 10-point gap from Norwich to, to Villa and Leicester, yeah. and a hell of a lot of goals. Yeah, and, and where, then are you look 10, at teams, where are those ten points going to come from? And then even teams that are like ninth and tenth, like Southampton and um, and um, Brighton, they're not gonna fall. No, off. no. Where not. where are those uh, that uh, that double digit gap from Norwich to them is I think going to be way too much. Watford is going to need twelve points to catch uh, to where it stands right now. They're going to have to make up a twelve <laughs> point difference. You see Watford winning four games on the bounce. Yeah. I could see I, I could see Burnley finding themselves in 18th gun going down. That's yeah. I, I would tend I would actually tend to agree with that. To be yeah. honest with you, I think these three are, which sucks because I, I um, I'm pretty sure I had Burnley being safe in my mm-hmm. preseason predictions. Yeah. But um, but being in and amongst it, I think I had him in 17th. But you know, off the back of these last couple performances, do you think Newcastle is dropping? <laughs> What to Burnley? Seven points. Yeah, no. no. You know it's going to be very interesting. And Burnley's games in hand aren't against easy opposition either, necessarily. They're yeah. not gimmies. What's also going to be funny too is that the bottom of the table, when they're normally fighting to stay alive, the middle of the table doesn't care anymore. Or when the top of the table is fighting to win a title, the middle of the table doesn't care anymore. And you, but. As far back as you know, Villa in eleventh, I'd even dare say you know Palace in you know thirteenth, like th- those teams in those area, they still got a shot at fucking Europe. So oh, the, yeah. middle, the the whole middle of the table is not going to roll over and die in March and April like they normally do. They're gonna they're gonna have a fight. <laughs> like oh yeah, there's gonna be a fight. I mean, t- <laughs> yep. There's so, there's so many games in hand across the table, and who like who plays when and. I mean, Burnley may have a week where they have to play four fucking games in seven days. Yeah. <laughs> they may have to play every other day um, to be able to finish the season on time. But yeah. if you if you look at some of these uh, teams that – so take it up to fifth, right? Um, but it looks like the FA Cup will probably be won by somebody that's in a Champions League spot, as uh, will the League Cup, obviously. Um, so if you if you look through, say seventh is now going to get you Europa League, and eighth will be the Conference <laughs> League again. Tottenham on the decline, it looks like on thirty six points. Palace, that's a ten point gap I could see being made up. Oh God, yeah. On the back of these these last few, uh, uh, what, take the season as a whole. The last two performances weren't great, but um, on the the season as a whole, Crystal Palace, Villa <laughs> make up a nine point gap. Leicester, if they got their shit together and try to stop playing that high line, they could. Find themselves making up a nine point gap. I don't. I don't see where where some of these teams. Hey, Brighton fucking only three points back from Tottenham. I don't. 
I don't see this happening, but Everton got three games in hand. Those turn into wins. Suddenly Everton's in that fucking discussion. I don't think yeah, I, mean, I think they're going to end up being you'd on, be the... on 31 points. You'd be in 10th place. Yeah. Um, just a, a couple of points behind Brighton. That's exactly right. I mean, and only five points behind Tottenham. And at the same time, if they slide a couple <laughs> here and there, like they have been. Yeah. Say that you, you can't get the, you know, the Europa Conference um, McDonald's party pack. <laughs> Both Newcastle. It was very good. That's why I ended it. I was going to say something witty. I was like, nah, he covered it. We're all good there. Let's just go ahead and call that a segment. Um, Both Newcastle and Leeds ran the daunting Kazoo Derby this week. One team came away with all six points. The other only came away with one. Newcastle won. Villa nil. Everton three. Leeds nil. Um... Magpies winners of three in a row. We've already said it a couple of fucking times that shit's coming together. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this one I think is more um, a, a much better performance than I'd say really even the Everton game was for Newcastle. Right. Um, they dictated the pace of play. They, <laughs> they were after it from the off. They looked switched on the entire time where I think Everton made a few more mistakes. Um and kind of beat themselves to an extent. Yeah, Villa uh, didn't screw up. Villa didn't screw up and lose this one. Newcastle found a way to win it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, even John Joe Shelby was tracking back, which we haven't seen for eight years or Uh-oh. so. That um, was, Sicko wants to chime in. That was the worst performance by Aston Villa this entire season. Okay. I don't think it was their worst. No, I would say, all, I'd say a few under Dino yeah, were quite worse. One shot on target from 11, but you held two-thirds possession. I mean, it's not for lack of trying necessarily. You had 11 overall shots. You had, you had two-thirds of the ball. You just couldn't put anything away. Oh, it's, it, like shite. I said, it's, it's not like you were just played like absolute dog shit and Newcastle dominated <laughs> everything, but they worked really hard, and they got 10 shots overall from their one-third possession. Now, again, just two on target. Chris, that's a damning statistic for Chris Wood. Glad they spent $35 million on him. Well mm-hmm. done. Yeah. But it's, it's – um, yeah, overall, the the game was kind of lackluster because there, there wasn't a ton of action in the goal mouth. But I, I mean, both teams were were given it a, a proper go. I mean, they were they were both had a ton of effort. They both had a few chances, but um, ultimately this is, Newcastle just snuck one in. This is the game that frustrates you for be if you're a Villa fan okay. because because what happens is is you play well enough to have probably gotten away with at least a point, if not all three. And it takes a moment of class on a free kick from Kieran Trippier to beat you. And you look at it and you look at it as a team and you just go one fucking time. Seriously, we did everything right one fucking time. And it's in the back of the fucking net. And it was a picture perfect free kick. I mean, again, like you said last week, why is James Ward-Prowse not on the England national team? Because this guy does exactly what he does, and he defends. How and he defends. How that kick went through like two feet of space between two players, perfectly into the net. Oh my god, it was too fucking pretty. He fucking did that in the he's, semifinal. He's a, yeah, he did that in the semifinal of the World Cup against Croatia. Like it just—that's yep. what this man does. You know, he's very. But he good also. At it. I mean, besides that, he just has a calming presence, right? 
that that back line looks completely different now that he's had a little a couple run of games there. Mm-hmm. Um, they they look relaxed. He's shouting at people, "Go here, do this." I mean, he he won fucking La Liga for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah. with Atletico Madrid. Yep. You know how many Englishmen went abroad in general? You know what I'm saying? So he's done good things. Um, you know, member of the England squad, obviously in the World Cup and the Euros, mm-hmm. played very very well. Um, and, and he he looks a leader on this team already. Yeah. Uh, taking the captain arm armband off of John Joe Shelby. And now we're starting to see a situation, and this is what happens when you actually buy players, right? This is what happens when there's competition for places. Bruno Gimaresh, they spent 40-odd million on transfer deadline day. He gets a 38-minute – or a 38-second cameo. Yep. He only got a cameo against Everton. But Joe Willick and John Joe Shelby both tracking back, making tackles, passing the ball, getting in people's faces – John Joe Shelby's looks like he's lost eight pounds since Eddie Howe showed up. <laughs> By the way, uh, Taylor is watching us live, and he has already decided the name of this episode needs to be Action in the Goal Mouth. Action in the Goal Mouth. I'm not against well, that one. Pretty sexy. Yeah, it is pretty sexy. He said that is the perfect <laughs> Valentine's Day show title. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Mr. Graham, something else that's very much worth mentioning is Newcastle, St. James Park, when it gets really buzzing and those supporters are behind their club, it's a hell of a fucking place to play. You could tell Everton were completely intimidated. And then Villa, particularly in the first half, were absolutely intimidated. They were very all, all over all over Villa, and the, you could tell the fans were making a difference. This is what I think keeps them out of the uh, out of dropping down is, yeah, you bought some good quality players and you got a new coach in and there's a new style, but your fans are behind you. Every home match like that, you're world beaters. Anybody who walks in that building now is going to have a fucking hard time. And that's even with top, top of the table t- fucking teams because... You'd be amazed Absolutely. what happens. You'd be amazed what happens when the fans get behind you. And the fans get behind you. Well, that's – I mean, that's we're, – we're about to talk about that in your game as well. I mean, there's there's a couple of buildings that are very intimidating. And a lot of them are those old-style English grounds, right? So you have Goodison Park. You have Villa Park. You have uh, uh, the St. Sports James. Direct Arena or whatever it's called nowadays. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have um, – even the Amex to an extent. I know it's a newer stadium, but mm-hmm. even the Amex gets fucking bumping from time to time. And uh, Selhurst Park has an amazing atmosphere, yeah. uh, I've been told, uh, on a fair few occasions. So you, you have these old buildings that just, you know, West Ham's old ground, the bowling ground, they had a, a fucking amazing atmosphere. There it was a hell of a time going to West Ham to play uh, for a number of years until the Dildo Brothers fucked everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a number of years, they, they had a very difficult time going to that stadium. And if you can, if you do enough as an owner to keep these fans on side, right, and have them behind the team, it really is like having a 12th man. It really is spurring the team on. And any player with a heartbeat has to respond to that. Yep, agreed. Uh, we are going to let uh, producer Mel off the hook tonight. Uh, it's going to get thrown in the back. She's going to have to uh, take it next week. And the nice thing is it's a brand new bottle, too. So we're going to crack it for Mel. Even if you and I lose next week, she does the first shot. You know, I'm kind of <laughs> pissed because Thursday 
I was feeling okay, but I didn't have the taste thing. <coughs> I should have just let me bank the shot then. No. I like to think that you begging to bank the shot is what assured your team to lose. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> um, Could be. Ev- what? Oh, I by s- the way, the free kick was deflected. Mm. Oh, okay, it was deflected a little. Okay. Martinez didn't get to it. it. Hit off someone's knee and just took it up above his hand. Heard. Just saying. Um. Now, what we said about Everton in the midweek as they played Newcastle about they looked exhausted and they looked overwhelmed. Uh, go ahead and apply that to Leeds in this match at Goodison. Um, yeah. I think Bielsa got it wrong, much like Frank got it wrong, by putting pretty much the same damn team out there that played three days ago. And what happened? They found themselves with an injury early to, I mean, honestly, the glue of that team in Stuart Dallas. I mean, he's he's the he's the Swiss Army knife. He gets put anywhere, and he, he fixes problems and helps get things done. And, you know, they... They after they made that they had to make that substitution. They already looked lost. They really looked lost after that. Well, and then after that, he takes off Rafinha at halftime. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very odd decision. Because Rafinha, because any... Rafinha didn't have a good first half. Like you know, he... saying, I, yeah, but he's your best player. I mean, yeah. if somebody's going to change something, it's going to be him, especially when you don't have the talisman, Stuart Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> it just it seemed a strange move. Um. Well, it also for, felt for like Rodrigo even, was even having Marcelo Bielsa to make. I thought Rodrigo had a much better first half than uh, Rafinha did, and that's probably why he stuck with Rodrigo. It could be, but they don't play the same position. You got to leave mm. him out there. Rafinha's a flair player. Mm. He's going to go in and out of matches. That's how he. That's how he operates. That's how it works. Well, with it already, so it, with it, it already, just, being I found too... it a strange move when when you're two nil down. To take off your best player, well, I just thought it was very weird. It was two now two nil down. Could have been three or four nil down at that point Absolutely. at the end of the first half. Maybe maybe Bielsa was just like, you know what, I got to save his legs. You know, let me let me yeah, get him off. Be too. Yeah, could Absolutely be. could be. But I this was Everton looked good. Whew. Um, Great build-up to the first goal. Oh, absolutely. Football, back and forth, pinging the ball, uh, in defeat, one-two touch. It was great. Seamus Coleman looks like he's practicing for the weigh-ins uh, <laughs> for his, his underground Irish boxing career once he retired. <laughs> After he did the dead fish diving header into the back of the net, he stood up and looked like he wanted to fight all 42,000 people in Goodison Park. <laughs> Not sure what that was about. Yeah, um, he was the Irishman like, was a touch fired up. <laughs> just be happy you scored, mate. Uh, <laughs> it was it was but, very nice. You know, it was very nice to hear sixty grand, sixty grand, Seamus Coleman, sixty grand, sixty grand. I say sixty grand, sixty grand, Seamus Coleman playing football the Everton way at the top of the lungs of the Goodison faithful. That was very lovely to hear. Haven't heard brilliant. that in a, haven't heard that one in a while. Before, I mean, having had, um, what, 21 shots in your last, you know, 15, 16 games total to to have 21 shots overall and then putting 10 of them on target as well. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, you did get a bit healthier, right? DCL's back. Now he's had three games under his belt. Mm -hmm. Richarlison's back with four games (laughs) under his belt. You got Decore back in for a bit. Iwobi's fit. No, no, Decore's still hurt. While Iwobi is not obviously not great at finishing or putting the ball on target, he does work pretty hard. And he people are worried about his pace. 
and you could tell. I mean, the Leeds players stepped off of him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, he what a, he did he with that was shank game. a wide open shot wide three yards. But uh, but he also he also put he was uh, all three of the goals he was in the buildup and it had a lot to do with it. And hey, I, he had a very very good game. Of Donny Vanderbeek played magnificent in the middle of the park. Um, yep. A little bit of a deeper role that he's really meant to play. Um, I think you know this is a point that uh, our, our boy Ryan from uh, the American Toffee Pod had brought up that I think is worth mentioning. Um, that defensive, I mean, that midfield setup of Alon and, and Vanderbeek was very good, but against a stronger midfield team, that might get really exposed. <laughs> well, what what really what you would want ideally is is um... Alan as your defensive midfielder, Decore as your box to box guy, and then Vanderbeek pulling the strings. Right, exactly. Is really what you would want. Which Vanderbeek, by the way, in Dutch translates to of the brook. Oh, I did not know of the so brook. Donnie, Donnie of the brook. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, here's a quick question for you. Since these two teams are kind of right about the same spot on the table, who finishes higher at the end of the season? I think you all do. I don't. Um, I don't know that Leeds is going to be able to get it together. Uh, you, you thought when Patrick Banford came back, um, Bielsa would kind of treat him with a bit of kid gloves, seeing how obvious it was they missed him in the first part of the season, mm-hmm. and he didn't. Played him two games in a row, uh, and he fucked his hamstring again, or whatever it was. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure it was his hamstring. Uh, and, um, and, course, and they Phillips. still, again, they haven't looked the same without that point man. Yeah, um, and James James uh, is hustled, but he's not a point man at the end of the day. He's a wing. He's a wing guy. He's a winger. Yeah, he's too mm. small. He can't hold the ball up. Yeah, it's it's just the way they play. They need somebody to play off of and run off of. And Dan James just isn't that guy. That's not his fault. It's no, you know, it just is what it is. Well, and it's just it, he just doesn't possess that skill set. But Mark, uh, Marcelo Bielsa only knows how to play one way, and. That that's going to get him in trouble. Well, unless you're Tyrone Mings, and then you know David James is a fucking giant. Rounding out the rest of the league, and oh, so that happened: Manchester United one, Southampton one, Brentford nil, Palace nil, Brighton two, Watford nil, Wolves two, Spurs nil, Leicester City two, West Ham two. United are a fucking mess. They're just a, they're a fucking mess. They're just so wasteful. <clears throat> they had so many chances to go more than one nil up, and they just didn't. Um, and they allowed Southampton at about 25, 28 minutes to start really growing into the game and getting a foothold. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, I think Southampton were the better team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, here's uh... – Here's something worth mentioning that it has been kind of overlooked as we're talking about how Southampton has been playing lately. Um, draw against City, come back, win against Tottenham, draw against United. That's their last three fucking matches. Yeah. Old Southampton, that's fucking nine points lost. And with an ass whooping in there too. Well, there's still the potential for next game to have nine goals conceded. Hey, <laughs> hey we're playing them next. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's uh, they're they they are for all the issues that they were having with Ralph and the club, and I just 
it seems like the players that he started to insert are doing are doing better than the original players and those and those players guy like Jay Adams starting to realize oh shit with a guy like Borgia around I got to prove my fucking worth I got to fight for my fucking spot and that goal he scored was gorgeous and it took a it took him doing the extra work to put himself in the position to score that goal which was something I would say if I was a critic of Che Adams is that he was he's been a touch lazy up there at times where he just expects the ball to come to him and you know you got to do it yourself you got to you got to prove the work doesn't do that yeah Rose is a fucking a wrecking ball yeah yeah he goes in there and makes shit happen yeah and that's and that's uh, all that does and, and then um uh, I can't pronounce his name Ellen Hemini the um Moroccan um yeah something like that <laughs> ken's gonna i can't lay i can't into think us. of it either let me I'll try to pull it up no quick. problem ken's, ken's gonna lay into us about that one but he has also made there be fighting position fighting for positions you know somebody like you know theo walcott's not starting games now he's getting bit fucking rolls because there's players battling for positions that are doing what the coach wants them to do oh el yanusi el yanusi thank you very much yeah, that it, those players are forcing more out of the rest of the team. You know, it's making well, them. And think about it, they haven't started Adam Armstrong in the last two or three games nope. either. Nope. And that was one of their bigger signings of the summer, who mm-hmm. announced himself with that amazing goal day one. Yep, yep. Um, so they have. There's a lot of stuff going on at Southampton that is that is good. Uh, and Oriol Romeu is still looking like a fucking dominant midfielder from, you know, everything that he could have been at Chelsea, he's now showing at Southampton. Hey. And he's, I mean, he's 30 years old, but I don't know how why it took a midfielder this long to find his peak. Yeah. But he's playing very fucking well the last, you know, two seasons. Yeah, I was going to say the last couple of seasons, he's really, really gotten into, into his own. Maybe it was with uh, Hoiberg leaving. And giving him the job permanently is what got him to play better. Could be, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, United. When it was Moyes, he wasn't ready for the spotlight. Uh, Van Gaal didn't understand English soccer. Mourinho, <laughs> it was past his time. He was playing an archaic style. Um, With the gym teacher, with Ole, it was he's... He's a good motivator, but he's not a good tactician. So you get the tactician, and now you're saying we don't like the tactician's tactics. Ten years now. That- Ten fucking years now, United. Shut the fuck up. Stop making excuses. It's your fucking players who don't want to play football. End of fucking discussion. End of fucking discussion. So I know that they are disappointed with Ralph Regnick's stuff his training methods apparently are archaic he brought in chris armis who for some of these players in the squad would say who i know we're an american show uh primarily we have listeners all over the world we're very appreciative of that but um chris armis was an american played played here uh for the u.s men's national team played in mls uh played a little bit in europe if i remember correctly um but he's even a little bit before my time um some of the players have been comparing him to ted lasso apparently mm. saying that he doesn't know what he's doing and if you have somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, who is such an influence, best player in the world, uh, give or take Lionel Messi over the last decade, 
um, probably longer than that, to be honest. They, if if he's not on side with it, that's going to filter through the rest of the team very, very, very quickly. And we discussed Ralph Regnick being mostly an executive over the last 10 years, minus two jobs. His only trophy was getting a German second division team promoted to the Bundesliga. He's far from, far from a proven winner. Now, he's credited putting in place the systems that allow the German national team to be what it is. He's credited with being a wheeler and dealer, kind of like um, Monchi is at, uh, at Sevilla uh, as a technical director and, and uh, director of football operations kind of position where he's, he's doing the wheeling and dealing and transfers and stuff. And he's got an eye for talent. But, I mean, it's 4 two, two, two. What is it? How yeah. many is that? Four. Yeah. Four, I don't two, know. Two, two, I think that's only eight players. Yeah. No, that's ten. Yeah. Two, two, two. yeah, that's six. Uh, four, this four two 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 is is causing midfielders to get overloaded. The strikers, because the midfield's overloaded, have to either drop deep or they get isolated up front by themselves. And if they don't drop deep, they're not helping. And it just further overloads the midfield. Um Ultimately, he I think he wants them to press from the front, but he's got a 34-year-old uh, Cavani and a 35-year-old Ronaldo. Who's pressing? Now, it obviously doesn't help that one of the two members of that front line uh, that could have potentially helped press ended up in prison for the time being. So there have been some things that have thrown off uh, United's plans and his plans necessarily, but man management is a big thing. That's why Carlo gets a job done wherever he is, typically. That's mm-hmm. why, you know, and if you don't have Ronaldo on side with the influence that he has, you cannot fucking succeed. It just will not happen. Um, and you have to manage that. You have to recognize that. He's been around the game long enough to know that. Melissa, I'd like it noted. I would very, very much like this noted. For the first time in the history of football, an Arsenal supporter is defending Manchester United's players. Let's go ahead and mark that one down because that'll never fucking happen again. Let me tell you something. It's a shit show. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying said shit show. It's amazing. I'm having a great time over here watching this happen. But there's a reason for it. And if if they're not going to acknowledge that reason, that's partially what got them in this fucking situation. Right. And the thing that's been the constant isn't the manager, it's the fucking players. I still put it fully on the players. At some point, you have to be a fucking professional and do your fucking job. And none well, of them it, seem to want to. Is it not being a to. professional to do what your manager asks you to do? Uh, I think they've hired the wrong people. That's the. I think it's it's Ed Woodward's issue. It's his fault. He has hired the wrong coaches. They are not coaches that inspire attacking, free flowing, good football. Well, They're not coaches that inspire uh, counter attacking, shitty football. But you know, we catch them on the break and win every game two to one. Ed Woodward also do- hired. 
Ed Woodward also hired and and bought a bunch of self-centered, self-absorbed fucking crybabies for players that are there to take the fucking money. That love making fucking half a million a fucking week. That's that's what he also did. That's also the mark that he left on the club as he is. Yeah, now so retired. it's Paul Pogba is the problem. Yes, because mm-hmm. Edward Woodward was a marketer, not a football guy. And Bruno that's Fernandez is more focused on on complaining to the refs the entire game than he is on doing his fucking job. When he does his well, job, he does he, it pretty I think fucking he got well. Fucked up. I think he was one of the biggest losers when Ronaldo came in because he was no longer the main man. When he was the main man, he was pulling the strings. He was playing fine. Right. We've spent way too much time fucking again talking about a fucking but team that's a fucking disaster. But I also, real quick, disaster. I do want to mention, yeah. if you're sad about Newcastle potentially not being a banter club anymore, you now have another United to look to. Yes, very good. Don't uh, worry about it. All right, let's do these. Let's uh, try to get these last four done here. Um, Big result for the Bees. Big result for the Bees getting that draw. I mean, that's a, a team that, that honestly, I mean, I f- feel like, Palace is going to feel like this is a mischance. Hell, this week was mischances for Palace. You want to be in the top 10? You can't have two draws. You have to have two wins against teams in the bottom half of the table. Yeah. This this game overall was a bit disappointing. There was an, uh, a total of 15 shots, but just five on target. Um, and the way both teams are playing relative to the entire season, I expected there to be goals in this game. And it just it bitterly disappointed me. Uh, completely flattered to deceive. And there's a good chance now, I think, that these last two games especially, um, uh, Brentford had a good opportunity to get themselves out of it for good. Yeah. But I think they're now starting to firmly put themselves in the conversation for relegation. Yeah, agreed. Um, Brighton and Watford, very tidy win for the Seagulls. Score one in the first half, score one in the second half. How you doing? Let's call it a day. Um, I'm... Doesn't matter that Roy the boy's there. I don't see Watford getting many more results. Even when no. they get, even when they get their guys back healthy, they get their big guys back. I just. Uh, well, they did. I mean, uh, Emmanuel yeah. Dennis was there. Yeah, and Sarps, I believe, was on the bench. Yeah, they. So uh, Ben Foster dug uh, Watford out a couple times as well. Made a few very good saves um, in this game. Uh, but they and Watford did hold them off until the 44th minute. It took a moment of brilliance. I don't think Mope meant to do that personally. All right. It was a great finish. It worked. It looked pretty for the cameras. I don't think that's what he intended. I think he was trying to go to the complete opposite corner uh, on the floor and miskicked. Happened to go in. But sure, that's, that's not your less pay colored glasses you're wearing there. Might be, <laughs> but I don't think he meant that shit. And then Adam Webster uh, finished it off, obviously, in the 83rd minute at the second time of asking. Now, all of that's great. Tariq Lamptey, great game as well, as usual, um, just completely running it from the kind of right wing back position. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, actually, maybe left wing back position in this game because I think Kukureya was on the right. Anyway, besides that, um, I, this is very cute. Mel will appreciate this one, even if she can't or declines to comment on it. Uh, Graham Potter, after the game, uh, said that he, uh, oh, why do you wear, why'd you wear a suit, Graham? You normally are, you know, one of the track suit managers, they call him. Uh, well, I just, I wanted to show some respect for, for Roy Hodgson. <laughs> so he pulled the suit out. And uh, that jacket, by the way, you know I'm a sucker for a good jacket. Yeah. That coat he had on, 
fucking sexy. Yeah, good job. Good job. I'm into that. That was brilliant. Wolves dominate and Spurs are fading. Three losses in a row for Conte. A first time in the Premier League and first time in, I believe, 12 seasons as a head coach. He's lost three in a row. I couldn't tell what water on his face was tears or rain. Mm -hmm. And it was a joy to watch. I'm just wondering when he's going to skull fuck Harry Kane just in front of everybody. <laughs> just, just to assert his dominance. Just to be like, all right, I need to let everybody know who's in charge here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I think is going to happen, honestly. I think he I think he came into the training room, uh, into the dressing room this morning at the training center and just, like, just walked in, gave everybody a stare so that, you know, kind of all stood up, got quiet, you know, whatever. You know, one sock on. He was, oh, shit, the manager's here. Then he just walked over to Harry Kane and fucking punched him in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> then he said, Vafanculo, and fucked off out of there. You know what I mean? I mean, hell, I mean, I almost killed producer Mel there, apparently, with my last line. <laughs> Poor thing over there. She choked to death. It seemed like. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, darling. I'm I'm supposed to take your breath away in other ways, not uh, by uh, yeah, telling you. It is jokes. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, the uh, four minutes uh, or so it took Wolves to to score those two goals, um, and it, it just Spurs were shell shocked after that, uh, and most of it really. And Hugo Lloris, he has it in him. It, both of them kind of started with mistakes by him, to yeah. be completely honest. The, but later on, he had two world-class saves. I will say that first goal with um, Jimenez, like the commentators were very just all up in Luis, Luis, Luis. It's all Luis's fault. He did happen to make two saves. The His whole defense kind of just watched him make two saves and then watched Jimenez take it off his chest and put it like in the back of the net. There were four guys four Spurs players right there in between the pipes just going, oh, look at, wow, look at, whoa, hey, shit, goal. <laughs> like, yeah. he just kind of yeah. watched it. I'm like, well, what's a goalie supposed to do if y'all are just going to stand around and fucking, you know, beat on your bud? I mean, Jesus, yeah, no your defenders defend something. It's not that hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, the, I do I do want a quick mention, though, for Rodrigo Bentecourt who, much like uh, uh, Tiago uh, at um, Liverpool, phenomenal first touch. Mm -hmm. Nothing looks rushed. Nothing. He doesn't even look like he's breaking a sweat. Everything is just cool, calm, fucking collected. And I believe he was one of the ones that came from Juventus, one of Conte's players he signed there a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, it is. And he just... It, just screaming at people on the field like what in the fuck are you doing? just take a deep breath what are you doing um but he was a, a a moment of kind of clarity i think for spurs and he looks like he actually gives a shit the other um the other quick mention um and i never thought i'd ever say this again after maybe the first season we did the show spurs actually look like they missed eric dyer in defense yeah yeah you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, it's, you know, David Sanchez fucked it off a few times there in the back, and they just didn't look great. It's, I'm, 
I'm more interested to see, this is one of those teams, their offseason, I'm very interested to see how it turns out because I feel like Conte needs to put his stamp on it and we may have finally reached the point now where the Spurs team of the last five, six years, it's probably about time to dismantle that experiment. You already see yeah, Ali I mean, gone. I, you, you have to... You have to imagine Harry Kane's going in the summer. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially if Con- if Conte remains manager, you have to think that Harry Kane's going. Yeah. Because Conte's not going to put up with it. Yeah. He's supposed to be one of the best players in the world. And really, the way he's playing right now, I uh, if I was a bookie, I would probably add a couple of digits to the front of uh, England's betting for the World Cup. Yeah, that's it. You know, you go from a six to one, maybe kind of pseudo favorite to 14, 15 to one, like outside shot. Yeah, I agree. Agree. You know, because if Harry Kane's not doing it for England, who, what dominant English forward is there? Truly dominant English mm-hmm. forward. There's, no there's, there's some good young talent in people like Watkins yeah. and Calvert Lewin, but. There's not a dominant point man. And nope. and England, the way Southgate has built that team is built off of Harry Kane being the dominant man up front. All of yep. it thrives off of him. Even if he's not scoring the goals, he creates the space to score the goal. Yeah, you're very yeah, right. And there's there's nothing that suggests Gareth Southgate knows how to play a false nine. So you have a front three, say, of Foden, Grealish, and, and Sterling which they're all very familiar with each other. They all could get on very well, but there's nothing to suggest that he knows how to set up the rest of the team to allow that to thrive. Right. Because he's never done it before. Yeah, absolutely. And the three of them can't be a point man by themselves, you know, individually. So it would have to be an entire system change to be a false nine kind of Pep Guardiola style. And I just, I don't think he has, honestly, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a good man manager. I think he has a system and, and, and that. But there's we we've seen him with an inability to change that system from time to time, or being too slow to react. Maybe be a, a better uh, a fairer assessment. And um, he always has a point forward. There's always a point man. There's nothing to say that that he actually can play a false nine or set up a false nine rather properly. Uh, do you think Spurs can write this and still be in the talk for championship uh, for Champions League? I hope they're in the talk for the championship. It'd be great. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, <laughs> uh, can they write it? Um, yes, because they have one of the best managers in the world. Absolutely, they could. But it's going to take every single one of them buying into it, and I don't know that they are. Excellent. Well, let's get on to the final match. Um, you know, kind of an ugly match, but it was still really fucking entertaining to watch, and we we, we thought it would be. All first half was all West Ham, and they should have probably put more on the board than the one. But second half, Rodgers talked to the boys, and he woke the Foxes up, and they ended up getting two and seemed to be well on their way to winning it until right at the death when West Ham finally evened it all up. So they were at home, Lester. I want to point that out. Yeah. And I'm not sure who forgot to bring the shooting boots from the training ground, but Lester didn't have any of them on. The only two shots on target they had, they scored from. Everything else, and one of those shots, by the way, was a penalty, 
And the other shot was a header, not even yeah. with the feet. Because everything they shot with their feet was fucking trash. Yeah. Rosed fucking half the time might have been out of the park, but they couldn't pan the fucking camera up that high to see it. It was absolutely atrocious in front of goal from them. Um, but West Ham opened up the scoring route one stuff. Uh, Issa Diop, what a ball first time from the center of defense uh, to, to fly that out to Jared Bowen, who got him behind. And I, I said this before uh, earlier when we were talking about the table. Leicester are playing such a high line, and they do not have the personnel to do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody has recovery speed in that back line, minus Ricardo Pereira, who just came back fit. Right. And who pushes up, right? I mean, he's a, a wing back essentially. Yep. So, Soyun Chu's going to chase somebody back? Johnny Evans going to chase somebody nope. back? Uh-uh. No. Fuck no. Marty, so Jared nope. Bowen gets in behind. And he, I mean, he had, it was a sprint, but they weren't making up any ground on him. They didn't really put any pressure on him. And he was able to slot home brilliantly. And then he obviously came to the rescue later on, uh, again, with a, a brilliant corner. Uh, Leicester's 14th he's conceded this season, by far the most in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tell you what. Uh, one, one, uh, one final thought here, and then let's go into uh, the rest of the to talk about our bets and all the good shit. Um, something worth mentioning with Leicester is, is if Leicester keeps this shit up, I said at the start of the season, a really good team is going to find itself in 13th place. That team may very well be Leicester. Sure, money. Okay, so this is the moment of the show when we do our bets our our betting ideas uh and place our bets to help better inform you to make your bets uh in a segment we call sure money um i'm down 807 dollars for the entirety of the season uh so far uh so it is time to get my head on my ass but i will uh concede to you good sir uh so you can go ahead and gloat for a moment no no gloating no gloating the dream is over sam no, no, no. Pat hit. Oh, did Pat oh. hit. Pat hit big. Um, the dream is over. The Reds won, but I lost. So we got to end that bit for now. I am now down $1,074. Big Sam's Lock of the Week. I know you like long numbers, Sam. So 19.230769% of the time... It works 100%, 100% of the time. And I need to feed my cup of losers here real quick. Uh, it's been a while since doing this. Fuck you, Liverpool. And then um, allow it to be said right now, Mr. Graham, um, admin, not my strong suit. And I give you the hardest time about this when you're sitting in studio before the show making a bet guess what houston didn't do i'm looking down at my notes i never bet down i was too busy writing kitty's bit which is fucking brilliant by the way brilliant gold jerry gold but (laughs) mr graham why don't you go ahead and tell us about pat while i decide what my bet's gonna be (laughs) jesus christ Short it's time for our degenerate gambling friend, Pat's Pick of the Week. I'll just remind you, Sam, that this thing is called Sure Money. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> Fucking idiot. Sure Money. Uh, 
So Pat says, I'll let him pick up the story here. Well, I'm up big time, $567. And man, do I have a Super Bowl hangover. Sorry, big game hangover. So for this upcoming week, I'm just doing one bet. I don't want to get crazy. So I'll put $167 on the Wolves to beat Leicester at minus uh, half a goal. It's plus 120 and I'll net $200. I'll hopefully talk next week. Uh, I'll be coming back from Myrtle Beach on a golf trip. So you guys have a great week. Um, you forgot the big one, the big one, Sam, to uh, mention. What's the title of his email? Oh, winning Tiger Blood 2. <laughs> winning with the tiger emoji and the blood emoji. Pretty fucking brilliant. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty good. All right, so while you're continuing, I'll just go ahead and do mine real quick as well. Um, like I said, it's time to get my head out of my ass. I'm down $107. Uh, so I have a three-way parlay that I will probably end up playing, actually, for real. Um, Everton to beat Southampton because I think you guys are on a tear and you're being really fun right now. Fuck you. Um, and you're going to ride that wave. So Everton to beat Southampton. Villa to beat Watford because Watford are trash. Uh, and they're going to uh, – Steven Gerrard won't let them dip again um, after what happened uh, against Newcastle. And then Arsenal to beat Brentford because I think Brentford are in a bad way. And um, and the Gunners are going to look to kind of steady the ship after everything that's been going wrong over the last few weeks. And they actually afforded me – and this is why I might go bet this live. There's odds to this. Plus 687. Mel, we're both going to lose our games this weekend. You know that, right? He'll win his. He'll win his, and we'll both fucking lose. I mean, Geckel's still pissed off, I bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Geckel, what he said, he he had texted me and said, oh, Graham's betting, put, put you in the bet. We're definitely losing. Oh, Graham's going to the casino to put money on it? We're getting fucking killed. Is <laughs> exactly what he texted me. <laughs> also, uh, real quick, I finally got my bet, Sam. This is what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go ahead and ride a little bit of your bandwagon, and hopefully it fucks you over. <laughs> Arsenal to win with Saka to score at any time at plus 299. All right, there you go. Yeah, so that's what I will go with. Look at me getting it done on the fly. Um, that was a shit segment, and it's mostly my fault. I will completely admit to that because, uh, I mean, hopefully Sam now appreciates how just maddening it is to see him before the show, five minutes before the show, frantically going through his phone to decide what his bet's going to be. I hope that hurt you as much as it hurts me to see you do that well, every here, time. Here's the key to that. that that's before the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what we got? We got a fucking chicken. So Kitty is on a roll and now sits at 13 and 8. So this week I gave Kitty Manchester City hosting Tottenham. Now, Kitty quickly showed me a photo of her hanging out with hip-hop legend Ice Cube. Yeah. Wow. Hip-hop legend Ice Cube in the VIP lounge at the SoFi Stadium for the halftime show at the big, ga big game last night. And not only is Ice Cube proud of his mark on hip-hop, but he's also a diehard citizen. So, looks like he's taking... Man City to win. I'm just trying to figure out, Graham, how did Kitty fly out to LA, 
be in the VIP lounge for the halftime show, watching all of those legends out there doing their thing, and then get on a red eye and fly back here to be here in the morning when Mel let her out of the uh, out of the crate, out of the coop. Out of the coop. I will say, I she wasn't the first one out, um, and I, uh, I had I did notice she has been up there on the perch most of today sleeping. So I have a feeling she's been nappy nappy. Sam, one last thought. You know, hip hop stars, they love them chicken heads. No, 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 no. No, foul. That's a foul remark. Okay, I heard. That's brilliant. That's fucking funny. It's foul about my foul. Okay, very good. And uh, you know what you should do? What should we do? First of all, stop making bad jokes. <laughs> Second joke. of all, gamble legally. And third of all, gamble responsibly. <laughs> and fourth, quit giggling. <laughs> Championship corner! I've fallen, and I can't get up. Oh, no! <laughs> it was brilliant, wasn't it, Graham? It was it was, oh, it was, it was solid. <laughs> that was pretty good. All right, so uh, we had a pretty wild weekend, to be honest. <laughs> Huddersfield and Sheffield United drew nil-nil. Um, Barnsley uh, beat QPR 1-0. Fulham just 1-0 over Hull. Disappointing. Uh, Bournemouth 2-1 over Blackpool. Middlesbrough took it to Derby 4-1, which is disappointing uh, again. Uh, they had been on a I roll, really too. want to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, Stoke and Nottingham Forest drew two to two, uh, something both uh, Leicester nor Arsenal can do, uh, but fucking Stoke did it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is annoying. Uh, and then Coventry three two over Reading on Saturday. Uh, Bristol uh, Bristol City lost to Swansea three one on Sunday, which could end up with playoff uh, implications. And West Brom and Blackburn. Um, shared the spoils in a nil-nil draw. So that leaves us with Fulham tops on 64 points, uh, even on games with Bournemouth on 58 points, so a full six points back. Blackburn still in third place on 54, QPR on 52, uh, but they do have two games in hand on Blackburn. Huddersfield in fifth on 32 games on 50 points. Middlesbrough on 30 with 49 points and sixth rounding out the playoff places. But Forrest now on 47 points uh, and with 31 games played. So the, the teams in front of them do have a game in hand, uh, but they could go level on points with Huddersfield should they win it. Um, and eighth is West Brom on 46 points. Seem like they're starting to fall away a little bit. That's not good from them. And Sheffield United are in ninth, uh, also on 46 points. So still putting themselves in the conversation. Uh, Luton on uh, 45 points in 10th, and Preston North End also on 45. So really, the playoff picture could go up to and include 13th uh, Stoke City on 43, where wow. Middlesbrough is only on 49. And with games in hand and various things going on um, uh, in that league, and, and really, you know, there's, what, 60 games left now or so, <laughs> you have a situation where – I mean, really, you can go all the way back to Millwall, to be honest with you, on 40 points and, and argue that there is there is a, a possibility that they're potentially in the picture. So I think, I, I think Fulham's probably going to wrap it up um, over the next, you know, 
12 out of those 60 games yeah. and um and and get promoted automatically you would have to think Bournemouth or Blackburn is going to be there thereabouts for that second spot uh the other is going to finish in third I'd imagine um but you can make an argument really from fifth place on 50 points Huddersfield uh all the way down to like I said 15th Millwall on 40 points that that 10 point gap can very quickly be closed and any one of those teams has a, a possibility of finishing in a playoff position and a chance to go up to the big time. Um, Darby, uh, on 31 games now, so Reading do have a game in hand. Cardiff have a game in hand uh, on 32. Um, Cardiff on 32 points, I'm sorry. Reading on 22 points. Uh, so Cardiff is essentially is safe, I'd, I'd probably imagine. Uh, Peterborough on 29 games on 20 points. That's going to be tough. They're, they are shit, so there's a good chance that those two games in hand are not going to be uh, uh, winnable for them. Darby on 18 points, though, so they are within four points of Reading now. So two results go their way. Darby could climb out of the fucking relegation zone. All right, good. Uh, more of an existential question here, Sam, but is Millwall ever really, really in the picture? No. Exactly. That's going to wrap no, it up, boys. I mean, un- unless it's a bar fight, no. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up, boys and girls. Sammy, any parting words? Um, yes. There is a little bit of banter club left in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. As an application uh, to the council of Tyneside was uh, brought to light that they would like to relocate a public statue that they own that is not on their property. So the statue of, of uh, Alan Shearer was built and installed not on grounds that they own. Really? Yep. So they had to put in an application to move the statue onto their property. Onto their grounds, onto their property. So the banter club is not gone. Yet. Still still a little dumpster fire. The em- the embers are still glowing, just a little. It's still there. Uh, also, um, in other news uh, from Newcastle United, just briefly, very briefly, uh, part of what made them a banter club to begin with, and those of you that are familiar with Newcastle United will know Kevin Keegan and some of the shit that he gets up to. Valentine's Day is also his birthday. So happy birthday, Keggy. Ah, very good. Very, very good. <laughs> and remember, as always, Mikel Antonio loves you more with his willy than his heart because it's much bigger. It's going to wrap it up, boys and girls. Next up is injury time where we go over the beers we're drinking. And by the way, producer Mel on the DL means one Mr. Houston is drinking craft beer tonight. What Uh-oh. is this upside down world we live in? Good Lord. So you're going to have to listen I to me. I can't wait for that review. Me hey, review you know beer. What? Yes, you can find you can find injury time at patreon.com backslash do you football show uh, for just five bucks a month. And for your first five dollars that you're going to get on Thursday when injury time comes out, you're going to get Houston going. This is a nice house. <laughs> you know, I couldn't have said it better myself. There's lots of other stuff we talk about, and I don't mind you cutting me off that time till next week, everybody. Night and night. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston? Arsenal fans have another Sam. Great day.
Hit the fucking new button!